The first question, I may do some mistakes every day. After I do that, how can, what can I do? How can I do? What do I do? If you make mistakes, you make, you're going to make bad karma. You, are, you already have cultivated bad causes. And there are ways in, in, uh, it's, it's promoted by, uh, spoken by Buddha uh, to deal with this. You take repentance. Repentance? That means you vow not to do it again. You perform a certain ceremony. Or if you're at home, you can perform, perform the repentance yourself. Like in the Sangha community, in a monk's community, every first and 15th of the month, we chant all the, the precepts the, from the precept book. Every precept is announced and then followed by a few words saying, have anybody committed any of this precept? And the, the chanter, the one who chanted, said it three times. You confessed it. You confessed that you will never do it again. And that's how you purified it. So you can purify it by taking the repentance. Or in front of Buddha, or in front of a, a Sangha member, a monk or a nun, or a layman, even a layman, in some cases, that you vow not to commit the same mistakes again. And that would be effective. And that happened in some other religions too. But mind you, don't use that as a means to do it again. You commit a mistake and then you say, oh, I, I, I seek repentance, and then you do it again and seek repentance again. And that's not the way to do. So repentance is the way to go. In the eight realizations, we chant, we vow to take on the sufferings of all sentient beings. Can you explain why we want to make such a vow? A Bodhisattva Mahasattva, the great Bodhisattva, would consider himself to be one with all sentient beings. If a sentient being suffer, he feels the suffering. Let me give you a st story to, to illustrate from the Buddhist scripture. Buddha Sakyamuni in, in, in one lifetime, previous lifetime, he was a practitioner of the Buddhist teaching and he was traveling on a ship with 500 other people, mostly merchants. And on the ship, there are merchandise, very, very valuable merchandise. And there are also 50 pirates dressed in plain clothes pretending to be ordinary merchants, but they were actually pirates planning on a plot to kill everybody on ship so that they can take all the merchandise, the valuables. And Buddha Sakyamuni, at one lifetime, he was, he was also a practitioner, not a Buddha yet. He was on a ship, he was a Bodhisattva, a Mahasattva Bodhisattva. He was on a ship, so the, the, the ship set sail and in the middle of the ocean, and he was meditating. Because he was really a good meditator, meditator, he was able to perceive what's going to happen. And he perceived in his contemplation that the, the 50 pirates would be plotting on killing all the others. 
and get all these treasures. And he thought to himself, what should I do? I knew that these 50 pirates would be doing that. They would kill 500 others. So he was pondering, what should I do? To make this story short, um, he was planning to do something like this. He planned to plot against the pirates himself, one by one, and kill all the pirates, so that all these 500 merchants would be safe. But then by doing that, he created bad karma for himself. Because he killed, he committed killing, killing 50 pirates, and you have committed the cause of killing, you would get the effect later in maybe being killed, or going to inferno, or bad causes. But he was willing to undergo these causes, this undergo this because he could save 500. At that time, he was planning to relieve the, the, the pain and suffering of 500 people. He's not going to worry about himself. He already have transcended the egoism of protecting his own body from, play, from pain and suffering. He was one with all the other 500 merchants. He was actually taking on all the suffering on his shoulder by killing the 50 pirates and getting the retribution in, his, in one lifetime and in many other lifetimes. He was willing to do that because he was a great Bodhisattva. And considering a contemporary example in India, India was seeking for liberation from being a British colony. And Gandhi, with hundreds, thousands of other Indians, they were sitting in a square, and the policemen, the, the British policemen, were hitting them with this, what do you call that, bludgeon, with a stick, something like that, by force. They wanted to disperse everybody who was on demonstration. And Gandhi said, millions of people in India seek liberation from being Connolly. We would like to bear the burdens of all the others to make this come true by demonstration. What they did was so touching that the act touched the British Parliament. And all the statesmen were arguing, look, thousands of these Indians, in the future millions of these Indians, will be seeking for liberation from, the British, from being a British colony. And some of these were even willing to bear all the burdens now so that they can seek emancipations from, from being controlled in the future. So the British colony changed their view and allowed Indians to be independent. So Gandhi was able to bear all this burden, all this suffering. Gandhi and all his other followers Many people are like that. Many, many contemporary examples. They may do it in such a way that you may not realize that they are taking on sufferings like that. What you consider suffering to them is not suffering. Another example is Dr. Albert Schweitzer. What did he do? He graduated from Britain. He was an MD. He was a specialist in doctor. He was a pianist at the same time. He gave up his practice making millions of dollars. He gave up his practice. And he went to the interior part of Africa to set up a hospital for the natives, to set up a hospital for crippled animals in the forest. What did he go through? He was riding in a tent 
without his mosquitoes hovering on him, he was in the middle of nowhere in Africa. He started the whole hospital from a hut. He was able to, to bear the burden of all this bad weather, the burden of being very dangerous in the middle of the forest. He became the father of the African jungle to all the natives. He was able to bear all the burdens and suffering for the people. He was a Buddhist atua. He was a Buddha-to-be. You don't have to look for Buddha-to-be in, in anywhere. Not in a movie. You look at so many contemporary examples of Buddhist-atwas and Mahasattvas who was willing to, 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 to bear, to take on all the sufferings of all the sentient beings himself. And mind you, this kind of suffering to them is not suffering at all. When you have that will, when you have that determination, none of the lions will threaten you away. None of the crocodiles will threaten you away. When you have that determination to bear all the burdens and suffering of all this countless number of people, you can bear everything. Your determination, your persistence, your endurances conquers all. You, as a, as, as a temporal sentient being, may consider this as suffering. They, the saints, the bodhisattvas, consider this as a mission that they have to fulfill as a determination, as an invincible pleasure, as, as something, as a desire that they should fulfill. Not just as a group, but as a mother who protects his own children. So many stories about moms who are so great, who could bear the burdens and bear the, the, the sufferings of, of her children. Not to say Gandhi, not to say Albert Schweitzer, not to say Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa was traveling in the poor villages of India, in the streets of India, looking for deserted patients and put them in hospitals. Every day she was doing the same thing. She was dressed in ordinary clothes. She worked day and night. To some people that is suffering. But she was so happy. She was emerged in the delight and the joy and the great joy of doing it. That's the first Bhumi, the first Ram of the Bodhisattva, Huan Si Di. That's the real joy of life. Not just biting on a hamburger, cutting a sirloin steak, or going for a movie. Those are, those are senses, pleasures of the senses not pleasures within, not the great joy within. The great joy within is invincible. The pleasures outside is not invincible. To vow to take on the sufferings of all sentient beings? Are you ready? Are you ready to take on all the sufferings and of all sentient beings? Actually, there were so many great Buddhist in the world not necessarily believing in Buddhism. Don't blindly believe in that word Buddhism. It's only a word. If you follow the Buddha's way and call that something else, it's good enough. Don't stereotype something. Don't attach to religion. Don't attach to Buddha. Don't argue. Ah, oh, Buddhism is the great. You're a Roman Catholic. I'm Buddhist. Don't argue. Throw away the Buddhist, the Bu Throw away the Buddha when you get to that 
enlightenment and anuttarasamya sambuddhi is only a means, not the way. It is not the destination. But you need the Buddha. Don't go home and throw away your Buddha statue. <laughs> you have mistaken what I meant. What is your view in the yoga and, uh, and Buddhism? Is it not Buddhism uh, a view that concentrate yoga practices? Yoga, the word yoga means, it's a Sanskrit word. Yoga means in harmony. When your body and your mind is in harmony, that's yoga, according to what the yogi um, uh, practice. But if your body and mind is in harmony, that's not enough. Your body and mind has to be in harmony, and your body and mind also has to be in harmony with the universe. If you treat yoga as just a form of exercise that would give you a better mental health, that's not enough. Pursue further. That's the reason why I say yoga is Buddhism. Why should I oppose yoga? Yoga is great. Everything is Buddhism. A molecule is Buddhism. I haven't found one thing that is not Buddhism. You tell me. You name me something that is not Buddhism. A molecule floating in the air, to me, is Buddhism. Why? Because when I sense, I can see a molecule with my naked eyes, but I sense the impermanence of a molecule. I sense the, the causality of the molecule. I sense the movability of the, of the molecule. Then I know the movability of life. Then I know the, the causality of life. Then I know the impermanence of life. Everything to me triggers the truth. And we don't attach to Buddhism. Buddhism is just a word. Okay, I don't know what you want me to say. I don't want to say anything against yoga. It's good. Buddhism contains yoga. Whether yoga contains Buddhism or not, if yoga going to the extreme, if yoga go to its Anuttara Samya Sambuddhi, yoga is Buddhism. Why do you have to consider it differently? It's you who discriminate, not yoga, not Buddhism. It's you who discriminate. When will you organize a pilgrim tour to follow the footsteps of Buddhism in India? Did I promise you that I will organize a tour? When would I organize a pilgrim, pilgrimage tour in India, in English, in, in uh, 2014? Did I say next year I will organize a pilgrimage tour? I didn't say, think so. No. Don't put words in my mouth. I didn't say that. Um, but do you really need to go to India to strengthen your belief? Do you really need to, to go to a, an ideal place where you can find equanimity to find peace? You don't need to go anywhere to look for peace. It's right here. It's here and now and right in your heart.
that peacefulness is right here if you realized it. If you don't realize it, it slips you by. If you realize it, it's right here. You live your present moment with happiness, with peace of mind. Don't search for it. It's right there. Just as the, the Heart Sutra says, there's no, no object to be obtained. Why do you have to search? It's, you, you got it already. Why do, you, why do you have to look for it? You've got it. Is there a proper way to pray, worship when you go to the temple? A proper way. Yeah, there are proper ways. There are proper ways to pray and worship. Um, if you want to really want to learn it, you should participate in some of our prayers. But if you just want to look at the superficial ceremony, the most important is not what is outside, what is inside of you. If you, if you perform it the proper way, like you are kneeling down, you're prostrating, you're offering your incense, you're doing all this, you're chanting, but your mind is not here, that's not the proper way. Your body is here, but your mind is not here, that's not the proper, proper way. Only when your body and mind is in conformity, is in yoga, that's the proper way. Talking, thinking, and being prepared for death is being negative, is that true? Thinking about death, talking about death, prepare for death is being negative. It depends on how you talk, think, and prepare. I know a, a senior many years ago, uh, she passed away now. She started to prepare for death at the age of 35. And she passed away at 70, 77. How did she prepare her death? She book a coffin and prepare for the clothes to wear when she passed away. The shoes, she'd been shopping for the shoes, for the cheng chong, the, the long gown, gown the cheng sam. She's buying all the shoes and even the underwear, what to wear, you know, when, when she passed away. She prepared for all that. That kind of preparation is not necessary. Preparing for death is not to prepare it with material. You prepare for death with the mind. If you know that you're going to die, if you know that sooner or later the, the life will come to an end, you prepare not to die again after this one. As I always give an example, our body is like an apartment. Uh, recently in Hong Kong, they they, they sold out a hotel. They sold everyone, every room in the hotel to different owners. And now it's more, the example becomes more clear. Every room is, it, 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 you are every room, every apartment. You're like, you're like living in a hotel. Actually, this body is your hotel. You already check in. When you enter your mother's womb, you check in. And then you live in there, you become adult. You still have to keep your hotel in shape. You have to make sure this hotel works, this hotel is healthy, it's good, you have to keep it. And then you die, you check out, you check in and you check out again. You check out this hotel, you, ch you check in and you check out. But who is checking in and who is checking out? 
you check into different hotels in every life some five star, some four star, three star as I, as I always mention also, some bed and breakfast no lunch, no dinner, just bed and breakfast everybody is a different hotel some live in the presidential suite they enjoy all the luxuries of life because of what they've done in the past they enjoy a hotel they enjoy a, a luxury suite what happened when they enjoy a luxury suite? then they forgot about all the good deeds they have done in their previous life because he started to commit a lot of mistakes again enjoying luxuries because having a lot of money for this life a lot of wealth and reputation he's exposed himself to doing bad deeds again because as I always give an example because his girlfriend started to flock into him he started to commit sexual misconduct he started to some, some investment uh, specialists advise him to create a dummy for, 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 um, for gathering all the investment capital and he's cheating, he's signing fraudulent contract he's be, by all means he's making money but he's making the illegal means he's committing sexual misconduct, he could be involved in, in casinos involved in slaughterhouses, involved in a lot of oh, many many bad deeds and what, he'd, what, what would he do? he would roll into a bed and breakfast or maybe in an inferno hotel in his next life he suffer again so we roll into different hotels but who is checking in and checking out? it's always the same, that same person you're just changing your form you haven't changed your essence you changed your form so talking about death, why do you have to prepare? It depends on how you prepare. It's not being negative. Not negative. You've been thinking about death, it's not negative. Then you know that I'm not going to follow the same path of reincarnation again. I want to transcend this kind of suffering. When Buddha, be, when the prince, Gautama, Siddhartha Gautama, what did he see before he make up his mind? to be an ascetic and to go for practice of enlightenment he went through four doors one of the doors is he saw dead bodies he didn't know about death because the king did not want him to see any death but he traveled out and he saw death everywhere so he knew that he had to transcend death so when you see death can you see the transcendence of death? are you going to do something about your death? or you just buy that coffin and book it somewhere that's not preparing for death that's buying material to aggrandize your death to glorify your own death to beautify your death that's attachment if that's the kind of death you prepare throw it away not to glorify your death by getting a, a huge tombstone and and getting six plots in Ocean View um, with, you know, with you know, all these things surrounding you all the people who bought up six plots of land and he, seven plots and he put himself in the middle all the others are just some chandeliers and, and lambs and lanterns and all that that's not the way to prepare death the way to prepare death is to get into the Buddhist teaching and know more about death how to transcend it 
this enlightenment is a true transcendence of death. Are you interested in it? Or in your own coffin? I'm not scaring. Oh, there, there, there are a guy who, uh, just about two years ago, he didn't, I didn't see him, and he came, came in one day to the lecture, and he said, after the lecture, he said, Reverend Guan Chang, I got something to tell you. I said, what is that? Every time when I come to the temple, I want to get blessings from the Buddha. And you've been telling me all the time about death. <coughs> Who will come to the temple if you always talk about death? I want blessings. I want betterment of my, of my life. I, I want good things. And you're telling me that I'm going to die. I want to, don't want to hear that. Death is an accepted fact in life. Transcend it. Transcend death. Not fearful of death. Don't be fearful of death. You're fearful of it and it won't come? Who doesn't have to die? Raise your hand if you don't have to die. You have to die, right? Are you prepared? Oh, who cares? Somebody would care about my body. Transcend death. Go beyond it. No more dying anymore. The Buddha already found his way to transcend death, to transcend aging, sickness, sufferings, and he helped all others to transcend sufferings. He found a way. Do you want to know that way? Or you don't want to know? You just be fearful of death and that's it. Your choice. That's it for today.